0: You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains.
1: Welcome to Joy Coaching America with Karen Lynn Grant. And today I am so honored to have a Valentine's special. Today is February 13th and we're going to talk about a love and a passion for this amazing america and today who better can share with us her passion her love for this country and the promises of the constitution than pamela openshaw who is here with me today and Pamela, I just want to have you, she's the author of a beautiful program. She's got a wonderful website called promisesoftheconstitution.com. So I want to give that out. We'll be giving that out periodically during this show so that all of you can make sure that you go to the website. She's created a wonderful homeschooling program, a beautiful way to study the Constitution. And I just want to ask you, Pam, if you can share with us what instilled this passion and this love for this country that prompted you and inspired you to write the materials that you have written so that parents and grandparents can teach our children and our grandchildren this love of America.
2: Thank you for the opportunity to do that. I think my love of the country goes back very deep into my childhood, actually probably back to about the time that I was born. Um, I was born during World War II Um, My father had wanted to go into pilot training and my mother had said no, emphatically not, but daddy wanted to go and mother finally relented. And so when she was pregnant with me, daddy went into pilot training. And um, after I was born, daddy went AWOL and came back from California to Phoenix, Arizona, where I was born and walked into the hospital unannounced and unexpected. He went to the nursery and saw which baby was his and he walked into the nursery which was a terrible no-no in those days and the nurses got all excited you can get out of here you're not supposed to be in here and he said no I'm going off to war I came to see my baby daughter this may be the only chance I ever have to see her and I want to hold my daughter and so daddy held me for a little while and then he went into the hospital room where my mother was and they had a very tearful reunion, not very long, just an hour or two. My dad believed that he would die during the war. Mm. And so he told my mom to give away all of his things because he would never be back. And that would have been a very difficult thing for my mother to hear because mm. I had an older brother that was just almost exactly two years older than I was. And uh, mother was not receiving any pay for daddy. And so she had gone to work as a bank teller. While daddy had gone into his training and then she had developed Bell's palsy and she had been fired from her job at the bank and she had no way to provide for my older brother this was prior to my birth and so she um, moved into the living room of her little apartment and rented out the two bedrooms to individuals living in the area and that's what my mother lived on so it's very difficult for her and now she had two babies and my dad was telling her that he didn't believe that he would come home he did come home and fathered five more sons wow. <laughs> so i am one of seven children and the only girl uh in my family but my um my belief in and my love of the country extended to my husband's career because bob went into the air force and served as an electric warfare officer and um when I was pregnant with our third child, Bob was um, called to go um, to Southeast Asia. He was going to be flying in an airplane known as an EB-66, meaning that he would be doing electronic work. And he was going to be flying over Vietnam and in, in an unarmed vehicle, and that made me very nervous. I was two months away from the birth of our, of our third child. And so I was very nervous about that. Um, but any of us who have sent husbands off to war know that it's, it's just not an easy process. There's a Mm -hmm. lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. You have to exercise your faith in ways that you never had to exercise it before. You have to, you have to just trust that God will bring your loved ones back home again. So Bob left on September the 21st and Russell, our son was born on November the 21st. Mm -hmm. And, um, Bob called me, of course, in the hospital, uh, and I had the opportunity to talk with him. It was a a difficult 10 months until he came back. Uh, but we survived that. But the interesting part of this process is uh, I've shown you war in two generations of my family when I was a baby. And, um, then again, when Russell was a baby, but Russell himself became involved in a war because Russell was in the World Trade Center on 9-11. Oh. He had been in uh, the upper part of Building 1 the week before the attack on 9-11. But he was, his, his, he was becoming a financial advisor, and his class was divided into halves, And his half of the class had been in building one the week before and was in building three on the week that the attack happened. So much of his class, many of his classmates were destroyed, of course, because of the Mm -hmm. attack. Uh, Russell saw the airplane fly into the tower. It was a devastating experience for him. Um, He survived it, but it had quite an impact on him. So Mm -hmm. you see, we have had three generations now of wartime experiences that wrench, wrench you clear to your heart. Oh, my so those are all things that have helped feed into my love of the country. But I think a lot of the the love and the passion that I feel toward my country, the love for my country, um, has come since I began to study the constitution. And that began just 12 years ago. Uh, Bob and I returned from an, an LDS mission to Milan, Italy. And so in Italy, you know, you, it's a socialist country. And so we had a lot of experience with socialism. We saw, it was so interesting, we saw the hopelessness of the people. When you don't have your freedoms, when, mm. when the things that you want to do, for the things that your heart drives you to do, the things that make you comfortable, are things that are just no longer acceptable and no longer desirable. And when this, the whole feeling of socialism is is uh, promote the group not promote the individual and we saw that it was so clear among the Mm. people we just we could feel we could feel this um it was kind of a downtrodden feeling among the people and so we spent that year and a half we came back to the united states in 2009 um the politics had changed and we were concerned about some of the things we saw so bob and i signed up for a 16-week course to study the Constitution, and I just came alive during that experience, especially um, after having the contrast yes. of what you just seen. What was the name of your course? The course you went to? Um, it was a course taught by the Thomas Jefferson Center for Constitutional Studies, um, and I don't remember the name of the course, and I don't know whether it's being taught today. But it was a. We spent a lot of time. We spent a total of forty hours studying, but it it's like it's like my soul just hungered for the things that I was hearing. Mm. I was hearing about our founding fathers and I was hearing about the enemies to the constitution and people who had stepped in and tried to undermine it. And I was learning how the principles of the constitution work together. I was learning about the balance of power that was structured into the constitution. Mm -hmm. And I saw the beauty of that. My heart just responded to that. I saw the beauty of that. And I heard, for the first time and this took me so much by surprise i learned that god was very invested in good government and i'd really never spent any time thinking about that before but i just i began to see the whole thing coming together and it was just a beauty and a joy for me so i began teaching for that organization and i became a founding member of a national roundtable for the thomas jefferson center for constitutional studies and um, did that for three years. And can I
1: ask, how old were you when when that 12, you know, when that happened? Because I think this is so encouraging for people to know that, you know, we can get to our 40s and our 50s and develop a whole new interest, a whole oh, new yes. passion. Life thrive. is not over. Yes. Uh, so how old were you at that time? Uh, well, I would have been 65. So at, at 65, time. you mm-hmm. found your new purpose, uh, um, calling, it, and mission.
2: It was like the world just kind of opened up for me. All of the years of my life, I had had this feeling trickling around in the back of my head. I want to do something that matters. It's not that I wasn't excited about my family because that was my highest priority by far. Um, We had eight children and it was a very involved process, (laughs) raising those eight children with my husband as a military officer. And we ended up living in some places where I won't go into all that, but there was just some real challenges, but I just had had this drive inside of me that, that there was something that I could do. And then I found this topic of the constitution and I went, yes, this is something I can invest myself in. Beautiful. So I, I began teaching for that organization. And then I had a next door neighbor who was a radio talk show host. And, uh, she was a delight. She's passed away since then, but she was dear to me. She would call me periodically on the phone. She was a very emphatic woman. And she would say, I am so upset about this thing that's happening and this thing that's happening. And I'd say, <laughs> OK, Pat, now just settle down. Let me explain to you what's going on. So I'd explain it to her. And when I, we would conclude, she would say, you have such a good ability to express yourself. I think I think you should be doing something to get the message out. And I would think, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would brush the whole thing off. Well, she called me one day and she said, I have a newspaper um, that sponsors, that, that, we, that is one of our sponsors for our program, and I think you should write a column for them. So she challenged me to begin writing columns. So I spent a week writing these columns and had an absolutely wonderful time. And it was Friday night and Friday evening, and I had just finished writing. I'd written five columns that week
1: on we you know what we're going to come right back we want to hear
2: this we have to break
1: just for a minute and the suspense is going to be continuing we'll be right back with Pamela Openshaw as she continues to share the message of what inspired her to write promises of the constitution we'll be right back after this break
0: From sea to shining sea and beyond, you're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and joy coach, Karen Lynn Grant. This
1: is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America, and I am so honored today to be interviewing Pamela Romney. Openshaw, the author of Promises of the Constitution. And if you weren't here for our first segment, Pamela was sharing what instilled this beautiful love of country and having a military father and a husband who was in the military, and then even the third generation when her son Russell was at the World Trade Center in 9-11. And now we're going to proceed with with what you were sharing with us about your dear friend Pat and her encouraging you when you developed a love of the Constitution, a passion for it, writing columns at age 65. This is
2: exciting
1: (laughs) to think that our purpose, calling, and mission can start at any beautiful age.
2: I am actually very convinced that individuals in the latter part of their lives can develop this new interest and can blossom forward with that and can make a real difference. At the time in life that we're at right now, Bob and I, our children are certainly all grown and gone from home. We have the time and the energy, but we also have a a deeper love, a love of Mm -hmm. the country, but more a a respect for ourselves and for the things that we can do and and a belief that we really can contribute something. So that's been beautiful. Well, so I was telling the story of how I came to write my books and the things that really... And the
1: columns.
2: Uh, the columns and in the, and the columns. So my friend Pat had put me on her radio show several times. She had decided that I had a really good ability to describe the Constitution and the like. She challenged me to write some sample columns for a little newspaper that was sponsoring one of the sponsors for her radio program. So I had written five of them one week. I had never written anything professionally. I'd written letters to my children. That was it. Oh, wow. And um, I'd I'd written these five columns and I'd absolutely loved it. She said, keep them to 500 words. You know, that's what the requirement is for the paper. And so it was Friday evening after I'd written these columns and I was standing in my kitchen making soup and I had what can only be described um, accurately as a spiritual experience there. And I felt a strong prompting that I needed to write a book about the constitution, but I was given some very specific instructions about how I was to do that. I was told that I was to write those increments in one, in, 500 to 550 words to that I was to keep that information small and compact, and that everything I did in that book was to be organized around that format. And the concept that I was given to understand was that I was to make the information extremely usable, but short so that individuals who wanted to know about the Constitution could come to my book and could get completely accurate information. But they could get it in small enough doses that it didn't take a lot of time and small enough doses so they could think about it during the day and so they could really process the information. So I finished writing the book and I went to my office and I stayed there for nine months while Bob ran our household and everything about our household. And I wrote a book with uh, the first edition had 129 of those short, we called them vignettes. Uh, the second edition has 132 of those, and they are every one of them right around 550 mm. words. And it was interesting as I wrote the book that not only was I inspired to know the format to write this book, but but I saw in my mind a woman that I was writing the book to. She was a mother who wanted very much to understand the Constitution, but was very busy Um She had five children, and she just kind of became a presence to me as I wrote the book. It was really interesting. I wrote it so that she could understand it. I I wrote it so that it would make sense to a woman who was in that situation. I've not met this woman. I don't know who she is. She may be just a figment of my imagination, but she was the one that I wrote to. So Mm -hmm. I poured everything that I had into my book um i talked about the principles that in that are involved in the constitution and in freedom in this in this love of freedom that grows in your heart what are the principles that that, that freedom is based on and then i began with the history involved in bringing about The constitution of the united states and so i talked about the revolutionary war but i presented Mm. that information from the perspective of the miracles that happened during the revolutionary war most people are not aware that the revolutionary war was filled with miracles that brought about the success of george washington even though it was a a major sacrifice for the entire country Um, i wrote about the constitutional convention i wrote about the ratification process And then I explained the entire Constitution, but again, breaking it down into one and a half page increments so Mm -hmm. that it's easy to understand. And then I got to that point with the book and I didn't know where to go from there because I had I had been given this uh, inspiration about what to do, but I didn't know how to finish the book. Mm -hmm. So I had to stop spend I, I took about a week off. And I had to spend some time really sorting through and thinking through. And I came to the conclusion that I had to conclude the book by explaining the forces that were working to destroy the Constitution because there are very powerful forces working to eliminate the liberties and the freedoms Mm -hmm. that we have as individuals. So I I did some research on that and uh, uh, concluded the book by explaining that enemy. And then I still didn't feel like the book was complete. So I needed to, to... I was ready to, to, I was working with an editor, we were working, but I just wasn't done yet. And so I went back in and put one additional section in the book where I demonstrated what it would be like when we had our freedoms and our liberties back again. And I went to five different experts in five different areas and I pulled that information back in and put it into again more of these vignettes. Concluded the book um, and had an editor working with it. We published the book. Um, I have to tell you the, the spirit that I felt because I talked a lot in the earlier part of the book about the Founding Fathers and how they had had their importance to the process because the Founding Fathers are so key to the beauty of the Constitution. They were good and honorable men who were doing uh, something way above and beyond what the average individual would do. Um, And so I wanted to talk about them. And as I would go into talking about each one of them, I wanted to represent those individuals the way they would want to be represented. Mm -hmm. And so I, I focused on that. I concentrated on that. I had some amazing experiences. I actually ended up with three of those short vignettes being about George Washington. I, I love George Washington. My husband oh. jokes with me. He says, he says, my wife really likes George Washington the best. That's not <laughs> true. <laughs> not true. But I really do love George Washington. Kindred spirit. <laughs> but the most memorable experiences I had was the day that I was writing about Benjamin Franklin. And I felt him in the room with me. It was, it was a I believe a powerful experience. I could feel him standing at my elbow and I could feel what it was that he wanted me to tell about him. Wonderful. I had a wonderful time writing that vignette that particular day. But after we concluded the book and we sent it off to be published, the assistant editor, who had been the daughter-in-law of my editor and was trying to learn how to be an editor, and so she'd worked along with her mother-in-law, she was a curriculum specialist from junior high school Mm -hmm. at level. And she came to me and she said, you know, with the format that you've used to write that book, you could create um, materials for children to study or for individuals that want additional. How
1: beautiful.
2: So we took each one of those vignettes and working together, Jamie and I created three questions about each one of those vignettes. And then we put the, and then of course we had the answers to those, but As we began the process, Jamie said, you know, as I've read your book, Promises of the Constitution, there's an underlying feeling in that book that God was involved in creating the the government of the United States. And she said, why don't we go to the scriptures and see if we can find a scripture that pertains to every one of those vignettes? And I said, do you really think we can do that? And she said, I do. I believe we can. And so we set about doing that, and we completed those materials working at a, a profound pace in about another three or four months, and we ended up with a three-book series. So Promises of the Constitution is the original book. It's a standalone book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has powerful information in it. But then there are two additional books. There's the workbook with the three questions and oh, I love the it. scripture. I love it. And then there's another book that has the answers, with the scripture also duplicated and a lot of additional discussion questions. So it creates a whole program, not just not just promises of the Constitution and the questions that you ask about that and the scripture, but additional questions like, well, if this is true, then what do you think if we extend that principle into this situation? Or what people do you to think. think yeah, what do you think the think? scripture has to do with this? And so Bob and I have marketed those books since then, and we have spent... Uh, Four years traveling the country and telling people in homeschool conventions about this program.
1: This is so exciting. And I am so grateful. And I will tell you why in a few minutes when we come back from the station break from interviewing Pamela Romney Gopinshaw and her passion for promise of the Constitution.
2: Welcome to the Loving Liberty Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time.
1: This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America, and today I feel so honored to be doing our Valentine's program with Pamela Romney Openshaw, who has written a beautiful book, and I, her husband just passed the book to me so I could just look at this and hold it in my hands, Promises of the Constitution, Yesterday, Today, and Tomorrow excuse me, yesterday, today, tomorrow. You can order this book and the packages that Pamela offers online at by going to her website, WWW Promises of the Constitution. And we're so grateful to have you here today. And as you have been sharing your heart and your passion with us, Pamela, I have to say that it's brought back memories of my Patriot father. Oh, and my father was in the Navy, I remember Uh, my mother joined the John Birch Society and she had meetings in her home, Mm -hmm. weekly meetings where people would come to our home. I was just a little girl and I would sit in the hallway and listen to these meetings. And so even though I didn't understand exactly what they were talking about or sharing, I remember feeling the passion and feeling the fervor. And I feel that this Infused into my being a love for America through my patriot parents and a similar experience with my dad not being there at the birth, uh, my mother's birth of me, and my mother praying that her contractions would stop until they could fly my dad in from the aircraft carrier. And he walked in the door and the contraction started. So, Mm -hmm. oh, I love these stories of these great men and the great women you mentioned. And it sure gave me something to think about. You mentioned the wives of these men that go out into the service of our country and the things that they must feel as they're making these huge sacrifices of their husbands and the fathers of their children to go and fight the wars and fight the battles. Well, Right now, we're going to continue sharing and we're going to have you back for part two. We're going to have you share some of these great stories of the Revolutionary War. And I wanted to share with you that my great great grandfather was a colonel in the Revolutionary War. Oh, awesome. And his name was Colonel Aaron Rowley, R O W L E Y. And he had three sons who also fought in the Civil War and they were musicians. And Heman Rowley. Aaron Rowley and Marshall Rowley walked out onto the battlefield without weapons, with a fife, a drum, and a bugle. And I found this out while I was researching my my maiden name, which is Rowley, at the LDS genealogical library. I had heard, I had, I had seen his, uh, you know, those beautiful things that are on their shoulders. Their yeah. yes, thank <laughs> you. I had seen Colonel Aaron Rowley's epilep, and it was. It was given and gifted to my sister when my father died. But I cannot wait to hear your stories of the Revolutionary War and the miracles that occurred. I'm sitting here with tingles just surging through my being because I feel like this is my time to study and to hear about these miracles. And you're going to be discussing in our fourth segment the sacrifices Mm -hmm. that our great ancestors made for this amazing country, and what we can do to step up to our purpose, calling, and mission. So we'll be discussing that. But I want you to take it away right now, Pam, and just begin sharing again. You've been doing a beautiful job with sharing about your book, Promises of the Constitution, yesterday, today,
2: tomorrow. So writing this book was one of the great experiences of my life. I believe I learned more about myself during the process of writing the book than I would have ever believed. I, I certainly didn't write a book intending to get to know Pamela, but, uh, but I had that experience. Uh, j- just to share one amusing little insight, I discovered there were some words I can't spell. I discovered there were words I'd been misspelling my entire life, and I and Word Perfect would tell me that when <laughs> I typed uh-huh. the word and. Uh, so that was a, an interesting experience in self-introspection there. But, but as, I, as I studied about the Constitution and as I wrote um, this book, Promises of the Constitution, which has been such a joy in my life, I learned to love the Constitution in ways that I would never have, have expected that I would do. I had been taking classes and had been a member of a national roundtable, studying the Constitution. And I had learned so many things. And as I would sit in those classes, and uh, the instructor would give us the information, I would feel my heart begin to burn in ways that that had great spiritual meaning to me. I, 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 I saw that this document was a beautiful gift to the people of the United States of America. And my appreciation and my respect and love for the document grew. But then as I began writing about it, I had to go deep into my heart. I had to check my facts and make sure that everything was accurate. I had to be sure that what I was communicating was appropriate, not just in the words that were said, but in the spirit in which the words were written. Mm-hmm. And it was a powerful experience. I, I, I just feel that it changed me and it changed who I was but i i want to talk just a little bit i mean this is the day before valentine's day but so we're talking about love this this week mm-hmm. but but i developed a love for the constitution that i can't express i began to understand how the different principles of the constitution fit together i understood how the topic of power was balanced and managed through the constitution of the united states And the more I've studied the Constitution, and I've done that intensely now over the last 12 years, the more I've come to understand that the real crux of everything that you're doing in government is that you are balancing power. You are you are keeping power under control. You are insisting that power will be used in ways that are appropriate to the people rather than ways that oppress and tyrannize the people. And. It, but it's not just a process of managing the power. It needs to be done through a spirit of goodness and kindness that is in you, the individual, and that is in the country as a whole. If you bring that, that proper spirit of love and respect into the process, and then you appropriately balance the power and the responsibilities, you can create a government that is simply profound ancient israel was given the opportunity to do that standing at the foot of mount sinai after they had left um, egypt because they had been under egyptian rule for 430 years so god gave them the law of moses it was a system of commandments which are your religious principles the statutes were the civil principles and then the judgments which are the rewards and the punishments for uh, doing properly or improperly by the law so ancient israel functioned under those those characteristics and under the Constitution of the United States, we did the same thing because our founding fathers used the Bible as their major source of information to create their, their uh, governing system and as their inspiration for that whole process. They were literally using these principles that balance power. So what we did in the Constitution of the United States was... Our founding fathers acknowledged the fact that power has to be divided among different groups of of different entities within the government. And so they took this huge, immense thing called power that could be so good or so bad, depending on how it's used, and they divided it into pieces. The opportunity to create legislation was given to the legislature The opportunity to ratify that and then put it into action was given to the president. And the opportunity to validate that and make sure that it stayed true to our principles was given to the Supreme Court. And so none of them had this power. You see how you've taken power and you've divided it up. And, checks
1: and balances. Yes,
2: those are those beautiful, beautiful checks and balances. But not only did they divide it horizontally among those three equal systems of government, but they also divided it vertically. They, Because power is best when it is kept limited, which is what you've done with dividing the power, as I've explained, but also when you keep the power close to you. And this came with responsibilities being given to the town, to the county, to the state, and to the federal government, each one of them with responsibilities that are its own. And so if each entity within that governing system works to do only to do the things that it is supposed to do and do them well, but to do only the things that it's designated to do, then you have the power being regulated, not just horizontally, but also being uh, controlled and managed vertically. And under that kind of a system system. The power will never be misused.
1: This is so exciting and so simply laid out. I think I've understood it better just it was, hearing oh, that amazing before. little, uh, that amazing description and explanation. And I'm wondering, do you teach classes? I
2: don't. I, I... Oh, you're such a wonderful teacher. <laughs> well, I love to teach. Um, I I love to do public speaking and I speak to all kinds of groups, but no, I'm not teaching any classes right now.
1: This would be such a beautiful Zoom, such a beautiful weekly Zoom to do your <laughs> to do your book. You do do
2: podcasts. Tell us about the podcasts that are on the website. Yes, on promisestheconstitution dot com, I've done a series of podcasts. I believe there are thirty of them.
1: And we'll be right back.
0: Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace, one happy listener at a time.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, I am thrilled for the opportunity today to be interviewing Pamela Romney Openshaw. For those of you who have been listening to this entire program, it has been nothing short of uplifting and inspirational. I'm so grateful to know that we're already planning part two, where Pamela will come back and share stories of the Revolutionary War and the miracles that happened in the personal lives of people who made huge sacrifices. And right now, Pamela, if you could share with us your website and what we will find when we go to your website.
2: Thank you. So our website is promisesoftheconstitution.com. And we have several videos there that you're welcome to look at, information um, uh, that I think you'll be interested in seeing. Um, And I also have a series of 30 podcasts where I've just basically explained how government works, just basic principles about how government works. As we were discussing before the break, this concept of dividing power is so critical and several of the podcasts deal with that. So I hope that you will go to the website and listen to those and Uh, be benefited from them. Um, If you're interested in our materials, you are welcome, of course, as we've mentioned, to go to the website. We have people that order the materials through Amazon. We've been having a little bit of a problem with Amazon lately. And so you might be better served to um, go to the website and order the materials from the website. Um, And our telephone number is also listed on that website. So you could call us there if you needed to. That's just informational. Um, but I wanted to emphasize the concept of uh, th- this love that we have for the Constitution as we begin to understand that the Constitution itself came from the scriptures, really, the major source for the, the principles that went into the Constitution, comes from uh, the scriptures themselves. And because we are given our agency as individuals, because we are allowed to choose for ourselves ourselves. The the program of the Constitution is that we are to make the decisions. We are to be governed by the principles drafted in government. Therefore, it is our responsibility to help create those. And so we've been given immense blessings. In fact, the Declaration of Independence mentions that it mentions that it is our God who gives us our inalienable rights. But understand that connected to our being given those wonderful rights of freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, uh, the freedom to petition the government, the right to protect ourselves with our with, with weapons to keep us safe, um, the, the jury system to protect us, the, the laws that are put into place so that we cannot be misused illegally, along with all of those beautiful rights that are given to us in the Constitution and in the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, which are known as the Bill of Rights. We also have responsibilities. Along with the agency, we have accountability. We are responsible to do certain things in order to maintain these liberties. Each one of us, every
1: every single one of us who enjoys the benefits of the Constitution has not only an inalienable right to enjoy that Constitution, but to put into practice their gift or what they can do to help defend, protect, and uphold. Hold the Constitution. Yeah, very
2: well stated. Um, it's interesting if you go back to the Revolutionary War at the time the Constitution well, after the Revolutionary War, when the Constitution was drafted in 1787, the people understood the principles that were in the Constitution. And when the the process went into the ratification in each one of the individual 13 states. This was one of the things that people were arguing about. Would this constitution that had been drafted protect the the individual rights? Would it protect the rights of the states to function, but also would it protect the rights of the individuals? And they understood that because they were being given those rights, they had responsibilities connected to that. So we so often hear our our United States government referred to as a democracy. Let me... emphatically emphasize to you that we are not a democracy. We are not supposed to be a democracy. A democracy is very easily manipulated, and it is unstable. There has never been a democracy democracy throughout the history of the world that has really been stable. We are a constitutional republic. And under that responsibility, we have things that we need to give back to the government in return for the things that are given to us. And so if I could encourage you to to step into that topic and think about it in your own mind, what can I give back in return for what I've been given? This is what really I've learned from studying the Constitution uh, is so important to each one of us. We need to make our voices heard. We need to speak forward to those who have been elected to represent us and let them know whether we approve or disapprove of what they have done. Uh, what's involved in doing that, it means you've got to pay some attention to what's going on in the nation. Um, And in the state, I want to emphasize to you that our greatest freedoms come through maintaining powerful states. So you want to pay attention to what's going on in the state as well as what's going on in the federal government. But just keep yourself aware of what's been happening in terms of legislation. If you see a piece of legislation that you think is not good at all, please contact your representative. It's easy to get that information uh, by going online and simply requesting it, but find out, communicate with your representative and say, you know, I, I, I have my concerns about that. I really don't think that's going to work very well. Please think that through again, but I want you to hear my impressions on that. And if you hear a, a one of your representatives at either the state or the federal level does something that you think is really good, that's the time to give them a compliment. That's the time when you send them an email and you say, bravo for what you did on that. That little bit of communication that you do makes a powerful impact on the people who are representing you. And so I would encourage you to do that, to just be part of the process. I've talked to so many people and I and I asked them, um, so how do, you, how do you decide who to vote for? And I've had many people say to me, oh, well, while I'm driving to the voting booth, I just look for the number of roadsides on the sign and uh, that are pounded into the street and along the lawns. And I vote for the person that has the most signs. And I go, oh. oh. <laughs> And yet I remember the time many years ago when I was very busy and I let myself get suckered into that same kind hmm. of thing. So spend some time and research who is who who what what's behind the individuals that are that are running for office and just just take some time and get involved in that. This is a part of the sacrifice that each one of us makes to protect this beautiful gift that has been given to us by God so that we will have our liberties and by the individuals who so participated in this process. So we we sacrifice, we give, you've given to us this beautiful, um, you've put into place the system of government that honors our God-given rights. In return for that, we give back to you the attention to know what is happening and to give our suggestions and guidance to those who are going forward.
1: I couldn't appreciate this more. I feel like this is such inspired counsel. And I hope that for all of you who are listening, that your hearts are being touched by the passion of this woman who discovered her gift and her love and her joy in in celebrating the Constitution of the United States, really beginning at age 65, and who has spent the last Decade of her life writing, I opened this book that her husband put into my hands. And this woman, she said that she'd written love letters to her children, but had never written articles for a newspaper or had written a book before. And now, as you go to her website and you see the books that she's written, the DVDs that she's created, the podcasts that she has alliterated, and And spoken to the subjects that we can all learn from her. And the beautiful thing about it is if you feel like it's over your head, this has been put into a format where we can understand it, even as children ourselves, if we are children in the levels of our understanding, we can go, we can listen to those 30 podcasts, we can read the 500 word essays in her book about each of the subjects that she has covered. And we can turn around and we can teach the next generation because this is part of our responsibility, our divine give back to a beautiful set of forefathers who sacrificed to create a beautiful constitution for each one of us. And yet how many of us go sailing through life thinking, oh, that was great. They did that for us. There's nothing that we have to do. We can play computer games and go skiing for the rest of our lives without taking some time out to really think about what is my purpose calling and mission. And Pamela, I wanna share with you that as I I shared that my father had come into that San Diego Naval Hospital, walked in just in time, or the the contractions for my mother had started and I was born. When my father died, he was buried in Fort Rosecrans. And uh, I went to the little family celebration of his life down in San Diego and i was on the island of coronado where i was born where the naval hospital was and i looked out the window at, of the hotel room right as some naval planes took off and did a circular circular rotation over the sky and i watched as they zoomed off and i thought dad we've come full circle. Oh,
2: that's awesome. I was
1: born in Coronado in a Navy hospital. You came just in time. I almost missed your celebration of life. I got there a tad late, but I got there just in time to see these little naval planes sweep in a circular motion and to herald my patriarch, patriot father, We have so much to be grateful for and so much to celebrate and to uphold this great nation. We really want to all of us do our part. And so Pamela, give us some beautiful closing words. We're going to get together again and we're going to have you tell stories, but please give us all some inspiration to go on so that we can go deep and think about what is my
2: gift to give back. To this great nation. Oh, thank you for that opportunity. I would like to leave you most with my love of the Constitution and my love of God and my deep respect and admiration for a Heavenly Father who loves us so much that He has worked to give us peace and prosperity and a government that will work for us.
1: Thank you so much. Go and visit www. Promises of the Thank you. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Joy Coaching America, interviewing Pamela Romney Openshaw the day before Valentine's Day.